0: Exist for Podcast is brought to you by the Cage Club Network. So, for all things media, check out cageclub.me. Welcome back to X's for Podcast, the show where we take a look at the adventures of comics mutants week after week through their many marvelous titles. I'm Nico and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at NicoAction, that's N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N. Today we're here still rolling through the amazing Hellfire Gala with two incredible issues. We're going to be taking a look at Hellions number 12, followed by Excalibur number 21. Now these two issues represent a humongous change, not just in what's going on in terms of the X-Men universe, but the bigger picture of the Marvel Universe is going to be forever changed by this event and I, for one, am very excited to see where it goes. Here's Nathan with a little bit more about this exciting issue of Hellions.
1: The Hellfire Kala is in full swing, and we are covering Hellions 12. I'm Nathan, and my crew of Drew, Blake, Josh, and Maddie are covering all of the amazing action that happens in Hellions 12. The Hellions weren't invited, but what's a good, bad mutant to do but crash a party? I know I would! We get into some amazing outfits, amazing drama, we've got love, we've got action, it is the young and the resurrected, it is the days of Krakoa. I'm so glad to present this episode to you and I hope you enjoyed it as much as we had fun making it. Hey everyone the Hellfire Gala is in full swing now. We are covering Hellions 12 and I am Nathan. You can find me online at Dazzler AOA on Twitter and Instagram.
2: Hey guys I'm Maddie, and you can find me as always on Twitter at Basely Covetous and over on Instagram at The Basely Covetous Man.
3: I'm Josh Wheel. You can find me on Twitter at Asleep at the Wheel W-E-I-L and Asleep at the dot com and for the next two years as the progressive Democrat running for U.S. Senate in in Florida, you can find me across social media at wheel, the number four U.S. Senate, and josh wheel.org. Hey, Andrew, you can find me online on Twitter and Instagram at jucifer3. That's
4: at D R E W S I P H E R 3.
5: And I'm Blake, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Blake's Buzz, and you can hit up my indie blog at blakesbuzz.com.
1: And we hope everybody survives the experience just like the buzz that Nightcrawler and Nanny has going on. I want to see that go on the whole event. Oh my god. Hellions is by Zeb Wells as the writer, Steven Segovia as the artist, David Curio is color artist BC's Ariana Mayer is a letterer. Tom Moeller is on design for this. Before we get into the crux of the story I gotta ask, this is such a magnificent event. The costumes which we'll get into in a minute are amazing but what are you guys thinking of art? Specifically, cover art. Has everybody been just getting the standard Has everybody just been getting the standard covered? Or has anybody else picked up all of their issues covers, just like me which, oh my god, this is gonna cost me so much money in this event.
4: Now <laughs> I got all the green carpet covers. I'm a sucker for connecting variants.
5: <laughs> Me too. I keep thinking of ways to display them once we get them all, like like hanging them up at like the the top of the wall, like running like a, a stream of them mm. or something. But yeah, I just I keep thinking of like what am I gonna like? Twelve connecting variants is crazy, and and it's all vertical, right? Like it's mm-hmm. it, that hasn't really yeah. been done before. You know, it's it's kind of a new connecting variant way like or it's been done before vertically but just not with 12 issues and then so yeah i i got those myself i'm getting some of the cover a's like you know obviously like we were talking about in the green room the marauders cover a is gorgeous and I picked up the David Nakayama Virgin Variants. I like the magazine covers and I really wanted them, but some of them like kind of blocked the art with the text and I was like, it me out. And so I just ended up getting, I spent like 120 bucks on the six Virgin Variants. I was like, oops. Oh,
1: those Virgin Variants though look amazing. But yeah, yeah no, I went to the Well, they'll be worth like with $5
5: magazine. in a month probably. They will.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem with variants sometimes. You're like, ooh, okay, this is not going to be worth. But still, they're so beautiful. Like I can't, I couldn't pass them up. I went with the magazine covers myself because I like the whole magazine's look feel of it. It makes it look like it's a tabloid rag, and they're just gonna like rag on everything that happens.
2: Every time an event comes around, every time a crossover comes around, especially, I'm like, you know, I really should just see if there's anything that like catches my eye that jumps out at me. But I always, I'm a little bit of a cynic, and I'm like, yeah, you know, what if I don't really love it anyhow? Like, I'm, I'm a collector, but I'm not like that kind of collector. But I will say, if nothing else, the green carpet variants really jumped out at me. Variant collecting has gone by the wayside since I've made the move to
1: digital, but
2: man, these green carpet connecting variants are stellar. If nothing else though, I would have maybe had Monet represent X-Corp, and found another stand-in for New Mutants. I think I haven't really seen, with the exception of uh, the first issue of X-Corp, I haven't seen any angels since X-Men Empire, and I was kind of like, why are you super important? Like, we get that you have money. Like, I know that you're like the (laughs) the event's resident himbo, but like, I don't know.
1: Yeah, that's kind of like what's the what's the point of angel period first of all, but you know what's the point of him being on the team but
2: oh listen and i love shirtless with harem pants and an oversized blazer as much as the next guy but like i'm just saying like being some titles man being be interesting that's all i'm asking
1: <laughs> you are asking a lot to ask warren to be interesting that is okay? pretty that fair is I'll,
2: i'm I'll just mind
5: tonight. blown because i thought money did make you important and now i'm just wildly lost and confused
1: <laughs> oh. as
2: somebody with very little of it I just try and convince myself it means nothing.
5: (laughs) I should probably do that too.
1: True. (laughs) It really shouldn't be. If you are looking for the hottest place in Yutankai, look no further. This issue has it all. It has men missing their ex clones, party crashing, empath getting what he deserves, drunk nightcrawler riding on an egg, and nanny cock blocking Mr. Sinister. Before we get into all of that, this is a gala event. So we are introduced to the Hellions gala outfits in this issue. So let's real quick just kind of like look at those first. So, first off, we've got mr sinister's outfit so is that hot or is it not guys
2: oh sinister's is hot sinister's is hot period i i maybe expected more but i feel like it's it, if nothing else it's a little understated for sinister and that's why i was a little surprising like i would have maybe like sprung for something a little gaudier. But at the end of the day, like taste is taste, you know, like he wouldn't go in, you know, he's he's always peacocking, but he's not going to go and dress like a literal peacock, you know? Yeah,
4: to me, his regular outfit is kind of like a, like it could have fit in with the gala. So, and this one is is pretty similar to it, except it just has like the cape going into the front. My kind of thing, I was thinking about this is sinister should get into like headpieces next
2: <laughs> yes. <laughs>
3: yes the big thing with sinister i think when we're talking about his aesthetic has to come from one of the great revelations of this issue which is that sinister is sinister sexual <laughs> and so sinister is gonna look like exactly what he wants to bang so sinister is as beautiful as sinister needs sinister to be <laughs> He really was revealed to be so sexual, was he? I was kind of like, oh, alrighty then.
5: That's why he likes those clones. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh All right. So, so we kind of covered Sinisters personally. I think I'm surprised he didn't go with the cape because how many issues did we hear him complain about his cape and the lack of the cape? But so then we've got Havoc's insanely geometrical, like, I don't even know what's going on with it. We've got Havoc's outfit. What do you guys think of Havoc's outfit?
5: It was like the uh, futuristic Hugh Hefner smoking jacket thing. Yeah. Like, oh that had, God, like, it's it, it, like, and the, it has like these like orbiting multiple collars. Like, I don't. Don't really know what they are but like yeah it, i mean it's just it's it's wacky but it's cool it's weird seeing him like because his normal costume is so minimal you know like he's he's in a jumpsuit he is peacocking it i think you know and it, just seeing him all like just out there like that it's just it was it was kind of kind of jarring but in a good not in a bad way just like whoa
3: like the crowning touch on havoc's costume is the fact that he didn't brush his hair that's it's what- because the fact that he's got this messy hair on top Makes him look like he has this beautiful costume he's in, but he's still a dumbass that doesn't belong. Like he's still a dumbass that doesn't know what he's supposed to be doing. We see him a lot with like that his like head thing on, so we don't really get
4: to see his like hair and most of his face a lot. So it's just kind of like we're actually seeing it now out of his costume.
5: I mean, there there are no ugly summers, right? So I mean he's a nah. he's a good, he's oh, a good no. looking he's a good looking dude. But yeah, the, the disheveled hair is funny. I didn't even think about that because he's just like his uh the the gaze that that falls upon him is is like the orbit the orbit trail collars and stuff. Like you don't really look at his face. I didn't didn't even notice his hair. I thought you the said the gaze. The gaze. Yeah, no, the G A Z E, fellas. Like. Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now I'm just now I'm imagining a whole gaggle of gaze. <laughs> following Alex to somewhere around. I I might do that too, but. <laughs> I, I don't know if I could really stand listening to you I talk about Maddie all the time, even though she's fabulous, but so
5: I was all about that because for months and months and months and months, I've been begging for this, this, this clone drama to come forth. And I did not expect that in the opening three issues of the Gala crossover. I was like, Whoa, <laughs> shit. Yes. Do it. Let's fight, fight, get in the argument. Like, let's get drunk and talk about clones. Like if that's all that happens in the hellfire gala, I'm good. <laughs>
1: Agreed. All right. So then the other big look we get from the Hellions team out of this book is the amazing Tannins look to quote John Gray Crow. Oh, that's a nice dress. What are you guys thinking about this beautiful plunging neckline with the pink kind of psychic Krakoan
3: flowers? Oh,
1: I, I dig it.
3: The psychic flowers were a gorgeous touch, and I loved that Betsy had them as well around her head. Oh yeah, head. absolutely. That it was something that they both shared, but in their own unique way. Josh hit it right on the head. Like I think it was, uh, it was
2: really beautiful. It was really understated in the best way. I think it was really in line with her character. i If nothing else, the these three looks that we're talking about remind me, they, they each have an equal and opposite comparison somewhere else in the gala in a way. And if you'd follow me for a second, I would say I compare Sinister and Colossus's look because when I originally saw Colossus's look for the gala, my assumption was, oh, that's Sinister, he just cut his hair. Because it it looked so perfectly like the goth dream daddy that Sinister could be if he were just a little bit cooler. So for me, Colossus takes the cake there. Havoc beats out Cyclops, just if we're going to compare Summers to Summers, I think Cyclops is a little bit Gaudian on the nose, whereas I think Havoc's is a little bit like between the concentric circles, the muted earth tones, and the banded shoulders that resemble his helmet. Absolutely love it. Talking about Quanon, I think, and uh, this is me doing my best Joan Rivers for everybody, just in case nobody knew. I'm just not going to do a vocal impression because, you know, God rest her. But... I um, I think that if you compare Quanin and Betsy's, I think that's a pretty split tie for me. And I think it's because they both
1: are pretty, pretty iconically
2: who the characters are trying to be in the current age.
1: I, I was going to do it. I quote Joan Rivers and be like, ah, who is those outfits? But I actually like these outfits. So, um, But I didn't get the chance. Maybe if I see Dazzlers on panel sometime, I'll be like,
5: ah. Okay. I know we're only, I know we're supposed to stay on topic, but did anyone see Dazzler in, in the three? we openings? got a brief
3: cameo of Dazzler, like as a bus coming through the portal. <laughs> yeah, we did. Nathan,
5: you, I'm so sorry, man. You don't even, you don't even get Dazzler in the crossover. Like there's. I know. I know. I want to, what did she do to Jonathan Hickman? That's what we need to find out. We need to X's for podcast needs to go on a, a mission of discovery to, to find out <laughs> what Sabretooth and Dazzler did to jonathan hickman in <laughs> that made him cast them out for this whole rebranding of the x saga
4: but she's kind of been in it like she's always just been in the background though like you just see her like like as like another person you know i tweeted this a couple days ago like if you're if you're not a dazzler fan are you actually an x-men
1: fan because everybody likes dazzler
2: <laughs> but... right <laughs>
1: <laughs> they should they better uh no, it's, it's crazy. I'm, I'm glad that there's an amazing amount of people that are being brought in, brought to the forefront. This whole book of people that we're covering right now is a team of people who I would have never expected to see in comics. Havoc, sure. Cannon, sure. Canon, sure. But I would not have expected to see Nanny and love Nanny if you told me before Hellions came out that I was going to love Nanny. I think I'm well on record on Twitter going, groan, ugh, Nanny. I-, I am absolutely amazed at this crew. So now it's pretty clear to me why the majority of the Hellions didn't score an invite and had to crash the party. Now, my question is to you guys, would you have all invited them? To- Hell a- no.
2: Absolutely not. And I feel like it's just because, if nothing else, the human inclusion in this matter kind of complicates things. I think Havoc hit it on the head when he said, you know, you guys might have been invited had you not killed so many parents. And that was specifically a nod to to Orphan Maker, but realistically, Nanny is viscerally terrifying, absolutely horrifying with zero social grace, and now the rockin' edge that she has due to her resurrection. I mean, who would have expected her to tie one on so heavily? Uh, The only one that I would almost consider... And it's just because he's hot. Uh, we're just going to call a spade a spade. Gray Crow should have gotten an invitation because Gray Crow cleans up nicely. Or at least I imagine Gray Crow would clean up nicely. But when you used to go by Scalp Hunter, it's a little hard to redeem that in the eyes of, like, the geopolitical landscape of the gala. So, like, I get it, I think. But then again, having Sinister around is, I mean, he's social dynamite himself. You know, he asked Captain America and Iron Man, uh, which one is which? I don't own a TV. Like that's just <laughs> purposefully obstinate, bordering on ignorant. Like, you don't have a place here either, my dude. So, like, I guess I started with a strong no, I wouldn't have invited them, but I guess like I would have just uninvited Sinister because I kind of fucking hate Sinister. I'm just like person yeah. to person.
1: All right. And then the rest of you guys, would you guys have would you guys have invited the Hellions? Yes. Yes. Ah.
5: i i I mean i just love a good clusterfuck i mean i do i and i i I think they deserve it man that that team if sinister gets to go that whole team should get to go like sinister's put those guys through the ringer and they deserved a a night off with a with an open bar and and to just kind of you know chill but i i mean i guess you know as as we see like having them there isn't isn't the best move but they were able to clean that up pretty quickly i loved that scene by the way with magic when they're like uh magic and she's like let me finish my drink one second and then portals (laughs) in the way the a lot of the high points of this issue would not have happened if the if they wouldn't have crashed the party so i mean technically the hellions made the gala better
1: the first two issues of the galas we got high stakes political drama and we got none of the soapy stuff that we are getting in this issue I, I love that they're here, and I'm glad that they crashed the party. Now to the action and the main event. There is so much that happens here. Let's start with this. Issue is a book about relationships. From Havoc, still going around, trying to find out about Maddie, complaining to, of all people, Lourdes, his ex-fiance. We've got Wild to encounter with Aurora, which I'm so glad they brought up that ex factor romance again, which has sort of been forgotten. And we've got the further buildup of the flirtationship between Quanon and Gray. This issue has more relationship drama than a soap opera. Like the telepathic sands through a sheer hourglass, these are the days of Krakoa. So, guys, let's dish. What was your favorite relationship-related moment of this? I'm still dying about Days of Krakoa.
5: <laughs>
4: <laughs> I agree with Blake. It was the whole uh, havoc and Madeline kind of like havoc trying to find out what's not even necessarily trying to get her back but just reasons like just like trying to understand the situation to me that's kind of like one of the most interesting threads that's going through Hawks pox right now
5: I, I liked how Lorna kind of kind of jumped into that scene too and, and he was like you know it's just because like all clones like <laughs> he like got <laughs> real, he got real awkward with it but yeah I didn't even really think of that till till Nathan brought it up like yeah there was a lot of really great like Romantic bits in this, like initially when I read it, I was like, "Oh, this is like maybe like a misdirection. Like this is the issue that makes us laugh, you know." After we've read Marauders, after we've read Horse, which is you know in the reading order and in, in the back matter, you know, like this was very lighthearted and and chill and and less less menacing than the the first two issues. Really, I was like, "Man, I wonder what's going to happen next week." But yeah, like it it is very it's very interesting. Like all these all these little relationships that are blossoming and we're focused on and just in just twenty three pages. Like, and they were really great moments and they weren't overbearing and they made sense. And that was really, that was really smart writing and, and, um, and like good, uh, like emotional feedback from the artists and stuff. Like, it was all handled really well. I didn't really connect those dots till just now.
3: So, I've been on record in a lot of our previous episodes of wanting to see some callback with a lot of these characters to things from the old X Factor run. You know, like a year ago, a year and a half ago, I did a, a deep dive going through all 149 issues. And so, you know, I was. Super excited when I saw Rhapsody show up in the first issue of this in Marauders. And then when we finally got our Kyle and Aurora moment that I've been waiting for since both of them have now kind of come back out of 20 years of nowhere to, you know, be big players in team books again in the last year. So I was personally super excited for uh, the Kyle Aurora moment and the inevitable awkward Kyle uh, Ken moment. But I think the best written and the best written throughout this series has been Conan and John Gray Crow. They're definitely going to be doing some Some horizontal dancing after the fireworks tonight, but they had some of the best moments, the way that they're drawn together, the way that I want to say Zeb Wells does more with less, you know, not a lot of dialogue you know but just the little right thing and then some kind of quieter moments with them together just being comfortable with each other and one of the top lines of this issue i think was conan talking about sharing with him about how far she's come in her relationship with betsy killing her every day in a vivid dream for every day for 30 years in a vivid dream doesn't hurt
1: that is one of the things i specifically wanted to pivot to is that relationship update now we've seen a lot of it going on through excalibur and through hellions but the relationship upstate between Canon and Betsy is something that if you look back from the start of the dawn of X, they could barely look at each other. Now they're now they're greeting each other in Excalibur and Conan basically saved Betsy's life. So I want to know, what do you guys think about the new paradigm of their relationship? Um, and then
2: I think Betsy and Quan's uh, relationship was really, you know, it was nice to see an addendum put on it in the way of a quick encounter at the gala because I was a little bit concerned that after the arc that we came out of just before this two-part arcade arc, where we sort of really wrapped that up nicely, where Quanan was the one to rescue Betsy in, excuse me, that might've been in the pages of Excalibur, the, the interplay is, is outstanding, between these titles, as limited as as it is. But suffice to say, having seen it resolved so neatly in Excalibur left me hoping that we would see it touched upon in Hellions. And I think it was just the right kiss and go. I think it was just the appropriate amount of recognition without having to harp on the moment and create this, this lingering dissonance in it. And before I toss it to anybody else, I just wanted to pause it since uh, now we're back to talking about the melodrama of it all. Were this not Days of Prickoa, it might also be Days of Our Infinite Lives, or <gasps> or <laughs> that's
0: so good. <laughs> that was good. That's that so was good.
1: really good. Days of Our that
2: Infinite Lives, or the Young and the Resurrected. Um,
1: oh yeah,
4: the Young and the Resurrected. It
2: is the, the joy. <laughs> the joy of having five people in a room is that I get to listen to you all, and in the breaths, I'm just like, think of something. Funny of something funny but i am curious all right let's let's just go around robin uh blake what did, did you think
5: i i dug it i'm always really happy when the books connect I know they can't do it all the time, but it just makes me feel like, Oh, see, this is why you buy every single X issue and sometimes variants. And so like, you know, it's an investment, right? And so I really do like the little moments where uh, the, the, the titles cross over with each other. And then of course, you know, these big moments like, you know, sword and the gala. Yeah. I, I dug it. it. It's such an interesting mechanic. Their, their whole, you know, backstory and history and, you know, these two people that, that, that share like a, have a psychic and biological bond that like no two people have really like it's, it's so unique and interesting and complex and does bring a lot of drama with it so there's there's a lot of like you know emotional violence kind of in, in their backstories due to how, you know who and what they are so yeah the the fact that they're like ex- exist comfortably i think is good i think it's good for the x world I'm, I'm hoping we have like good future instances and and interactions with them because of it like you know it's they're, they're two cool characters and they they oc- when they occupy the same panel it's it's interesting and and also like a rise in tension it's like whoa like what's gonna happen you know i like that. i
4: am on the exact same page i freaking love it when like the issues cross over like w- between this excalibur and then excalibur the one thing too that i really like is that betsy and condens they still don't like each other like they're still not friends or anything but they can like work together if they have to which i think that's like an important thing to do with people just in general you know like you're not gonna like every single person that you come across but you know maybe have like a bad rapport with them but just to like work it out do the job at hand, maybe just like give them a wave and keep going you know that's like it (laughs) and that's fine you know like just build those boundaries
3: yeah i mean i I like what zeb wells is doing here one of the things though is that i feel that this book is more a series of kind of like one-liners or like funny interesting things stitched together than it really is an extended drama and I think my biggest disappointment about this, which has nothing to do with, well, maybe it does. I don't i do not know who was involved in the decision-making, but might not even be a knock on Zeb Wells. It's just that this is our second big crossover in a row where the Hellions feel like they're a stitched-in backup story to the Gala. That they're not actually moving the Gala story, that they're a Gala chapter, but not moving the Gala forward. Much like they were an X of Swords chapter, not moving X of Swords forward. I would have much rather seen them try to give the Hellions a job or have something to do or, you know, make what tied what happened here tie into something that was going on in one of the other books, you know, the way that the first two chapters of Marauders and X-Force gave us these threads and threats moving forward that are going to be explored more in the later chapters. This one really felt like it just ended with Nanny puking in her egg suit and, you know, the rest of the team watching psychic fireworks. <laughs> and, and so the fact that, you know, we have a bunch of these characters that we are invested in and their involvement in the gala feels like it's ending in chapter three made it feel a little sparse. I would have liked them to feel more integral or tied in. Because it's also not the first time. Like, it's it's the same thing they did in Exodus You know, with
2: I, I definitely hadn't looked at it that way. But in reading it, something felt a little bit familiar to me. And you're absolutely right, Josh. It really is just that their inclusion is tangential at best. I would just say as somebody who works in uh, food, beverage, and hospitality for a career, I know firsthand that when you have a large... Um, unruly event to manage with limited hands on deck to help. You don't take your problem staff and move them up to floor waiters. You let them smoke pot and valet cars. You know what I mean? So I think that it, It would have surprised me if the Hellions were given enough trust to have an integral role in the gala itself. I totally understand the impetus for wanting them to feel more included because it did feel a little, you know, Frankenstein stitched together. But if nothing else, I'm glad it was a crashing event and not a working event because... There's only so interesting as you can make, in my in my opinion. Zeb Wells is the professional, and he is here to prove me wrong. That's literally what he works for. He wakes up every morning. And he's like, I have to prove that one guy from that podcast wrong, and that guy's <laughs> me. Um, and it's totally cool. We have a give and take relationship, but. Having said that, I, I think that this was, if it's going to be a one-off, it's going to be a one-and-done inclusion for them, then okay. I admittedly don't have the read order in front of me. I don't see how many more times Hellions will grace these pages of the gala. Uh, uh,
5: it's only one on. It's only one for each issue. It's one for right? yeah. each
1: issue, right? It's yeah, well, so one, one for everyone.
2: Yeah. In that case, I feel a little bit better about this than Ten of Swords, where we had two or three issues of, nope, we're still meandering through Otherworld.
1: Oh yeah, that, the, uh, their inclusion in Ten of Swords was, like you guys have all mentioned, it was maybe a fun little interlude, but it definitely served no purpose. It served no purpose at all except for the fact that we did get to see nanny on a horse, which like kind of made the whole event for me. Uh, I hate
5: how wonderful she is. When, so when, when this series was announced, I was one of those idiots that was like, this is trash. Like this, oh, like, me too. That, that cover they put, I was like, why are they, why is Psylocke my, one of my favorite characters, like leading this team of, of douchebags? Like I I was like, I was so mad. And then yeah, I was, I was so wrong. You know, this ended up being for me, one of my favorite X books were what 12 issues in and it's, it's been 12 wonderful issues. But I, I do agree that like in 10 of swords, they were kind of like, you know, an add on, but that's why I really liked this issue. Cause I felt like it was Zev being like, you know what? You didn't invite me to this party, but I'm going to crash it. And like, he did, he crashed this, he crashed this gala party in, with his, with his one tie in issue. And it was it's glorious.
1: <clears throat> I mean, I just like anytime the Hellions are involved, I'm I know I'm looking for a good time. So this issue had this issue had the drama. Now we're getting to the booze. Any good party has got an open bar, and this party definitely has a big open bar. So we go from Sinister, is he flirting with Captain America and Tony Stark? I don't know drunkenly doing that too so we we've got nightcrawler already drunk as the night starts and he comes in
5: and he rides nanny
1: around the party so what was your guys's favorite booze induced moment
5: definitely nanny uh she had two for me she had when when sinister's like are we going to be this talkative all night and she <laughs> says we are like oh man that <laughs> yes. was such a wonderful panel and then the the icy Reply from him, like that's also like you know vi- the visual icy dialogue bubble, like was so great. But also her like her blowhole that she basically yes! just pours the champagne into, like, like, and she's two fist and drinks the whole issue long. I was like, oh man, she she commands, like, she has so much agency and commands attention, and it shocks me every time, like. Because I I was totally unfamiliar with her character before Hellions and um, and just like how on my radar she is now. And just like every time I see her in panel, I know something crazy is going to happen. And yeah, this I loved her in this issue. And yes, night <laughs> drunk, drunk nightcrawler was awesome.
3: Se- Segovia gets mad props for making Nanny so interesting without even being able to use facial expressions. But the top moment for me was her smashing a champagne glass.
1: Yes, that was great.
3: I like how they
5: tell her, too. They're like, "Uh, trying to murder another mutant in front of the humans is not the way to go.
2: (laughs) Oh, God. But that moment was so good. She's just like, well, it's on smash. (laughs) (laughs) Go time, motherfucker.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm definitely one of those people. When I saw that Nanny and Orphan Maker were going to be on the Hellions, so I was like, really? What the fuck? Those guys were like so fucking stupid and lame and X Factor way back when, and I was like, eh, really? But oh my god, I fucking loved them, and I and I'm so glad we got them.
2: I I want to say the two Nightcrawler cameos just because they were a little ridiculous, um, just completely out of character for Nightcrawler, in my opinion. Although like. And no disrespect here because I'm obviously painting in broad strokes, but a lot of repressed um, religious types tend to not know how to moderate their alcohol intake. Mm -hmm. And it's fine. It's just a thing that you notice as a a longtime bartender. Um, Sometimes people with a lot of like weird repression um, tend to to hit that bottle hard. But aside from that, I, I think if I had to pick a favorite moment, it was... Bananas! Bananas! (laughs) If not bananas, it was definitely drunken fireworks. Telepathic fireworks. Ooh.
5: Those damn fireworks, man! I want to know what they saw. I will know. I'm like, I know we're probably gonna talk about that later. Sorry, (laughs) no, you're good. I'm like, why didn't we get to
4: see him? Uh, Kind of, I liked how Orphan Maker wasn't really—he's not drunk, but he was drunk. Like Empath made him drunk, so the whole time he's pretending to be drunk. Not pretending though—he like is, but isn't.
0: (laughs) Because (gasps)
5: he's a kid. (laughs) Real quick, one bonus drunken—I really, really, really liked the texture pages Oh
1: uh, yes, the psychic, oh my God. The psychic
5: dialogue with, between the cuckoos—like they're like, you know, they're they're like supervising the party and, and the whole deal. Though, when when Phoebe changes, on the she's—they're like, "Where's Phoebe?" She's like, "I'm changing." <laughs> like, <laughs> I I like those were like cr- crazy laugh. I I'm not like I usually like the textual pages.
3: I liked that for the first time in twelve issues. Empath wasn't a cunt, and that we got to see some more former Hellions. I text Taro and Cat's Eye.
1: I did love seeing that moment where Taro and Cat's Eye got their revenge, though for him making him fight. That was my favorite. Maybe probably just because I'm probably the only Cat's Eye stand out there, so. I don't know. Like, I don't think anybody else loves that like Goofy's first look at like I do. That actually is a nice segue to the last big thing I wanted to... I want
3: Cat's Eye and Rain to be able to run around Krakoa together.
1: <gasps> I really do want them to be able to run around Krakoa together. The last thing I really want us to cover is the action that we saw. And there's one thing at the very end, the last page reveal, that we'll get to at the last thing that we'll talk about. What drama action sequence did you guys like the best? I don't know. For me... I have to say, I know the action scene that I really loved the most was the Nanny sinister drama. See, I love, anytime I see Nanny take sinister down a peg, obviously we had the wild child, the kin battle that's brewing from this and a lot of other drama and the way that Quanin got the Hellions into the event in the first place by psychically blackmailing Quentin Choir. What was your guys' favorite moment?
3: I think it was the quiet Grey Crow moment. Like, I loved, I did just love, because I was personally satisfied with getting a Kyle Aurora moment, and then having it paired with Grey Crow and Quannon sitting there having their quiet moment at the bar, and he's just like, I got it. And he goes over and starts that fight, because it's him jumping on Kyle to keep him from fighting Ken. But I love the quiet alongside of like kyle getting loud but that you know led to that big fight and you know it, it brought a lot of things together when you guys were talking about earlier about you know whether gray crow should have been invited I, there's only three what you could really call responsible adult on the hellion you know that's if you want to call sinister a responsible adult you got sinister Conan, and gray crow so one of them has to stay home and watch the kid, um, which is why i think gray crow didn't get invited but the fact that he got to be there with Quan and 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 then the role that he played, I mean, he he was the best for me in this, and and I loved the way he jumped into that Kyle the Ken moment as you know he he's not scout puncher anymore, he's like sexy older brother type now.
2: Ooh ooh ooh. Okay, you know what? As innocuous as this sounds, I would really just go with one singular panel. It was Roulette and cat's Eye just kicking the shit. Out of empath just like he deserved just like he deserved frankly i've been waiting and there's something about having watched empath die multiple times in the run of hellions that like in a quentin choir-esque way is starting to desensitize me to the idea of it but watching him just get a good old ass kicking like a good old-fashioned ass kicking from some former teammates that was just oh i
4: love that i really liked the decan wild child aurora kind of interplay between them i thought that one was really interesting fun just because like you know it was again going on past experiences and stuff and just like you know we're getting a little bit more into wild child's kind of Arakan personality a little bit more kind of he's a little bit of a new character kind of in a way so because he's been progressed of av- av- Evolved, that he seems like a new character. So it's kind of like getting to getting reacquainted with him.
5: My favorite moment was the was Havoc talking to uh, Magneto about about the clones, just because, like I said, I, I've been waiting for this. You know, we've we've had Gabby voice her her opinions on the matter in, in, in past issues and the beginning of Hellions. We saw we, we saw Havoc question the, the council's decision on clones. It's been this lingering tension that hasn't really been addressed, and I was not expecting it in in the opening chapters of the gala and that really took me by surprise i really really hope i mean I, we're gonna get repercussions from it someday we ha- we have to they keep bringing it up but i just oh, i want it so bad and i want i want madeline back and and i want to know gabby's safe if, if anything ever happens to her and so yeah I, it was it was cool to have that brought up and then like i said i really like i really liked magneto's daughter coming in at, at that awkward moment because you know they her her and Havoc have that kind of on again, off again deal anyway. And then so for for him to be like, you know, it wasn't like it's not like I want her back. It's just like all clones, right? Like I don't know, it's just like really awkward and funny. And this whole issue is just awkward and funny and band of misfits and everything they bring to this new birth of X-Men is is really wonderful. And this issue showcased like it showcased it perfectly as to why this is one of the best X books out there.
1: I loved every single second of the awkward drama, like you were talking about. The Lorna and Havoc scenes were amazing. Just, just the idea of this his longtime ex girlfriend, his ex fiance Havoc, is sitting there complaining about not having Madeline Pryor. It's just, it's so Havoc is so such a fucking himbo, and I love him for it. So, after the Hellions are kicked out of the party they just crashed, they get to witness the telepathic fireworks through some magic from Quanan. and we also get the return of the Sinister from Araco. Is that who that is? Where were you guys when you saw that last panel and the fireworks, which was so fun too, even though we didn't get to see them?
3: I did not put together that that was Araco Sinister. I was trying to figure out, like, when Nanny had slashed him with her broken champagne glass across the forehead. That lobotomy araco Sinister coming back is very, very interesting. You just bloomed my mind galaxy brain
2: it's so funny because it wasn't until you mentioned that that was the sinister from otherworld from morocco that it clicked for me i was like what happened like what did we miss at the gala that his head's cut open like is that from nanny but then i looked back at panels like before that realized that we didn't see any sort of act of violence like that very confusing in that regard so so frankly my thoughts are just now developing on the matter because I just sort of figured it out. You know what I mean? Damn, thanks for helping me put that together. I guess <laughs> I guess we'll pivot to someone else who knew what was going on. <laughs>
4: it's it's fine. I also did not get it until I saw someone reviewing the video and they said it. Yeah, I think it could have been made a little bit more clear but i'm pretty sure the solicits for the next issue of hellions is going to go into like locust vial and all that stuff kind of interesting to see where that goes
1: ah good yes harley and caring uh, sort of spliced sinister towards the end like if you guys ever saw what happened to celine where before she made amanda septon of all people rescue her from that machine where she was just unraveling and slicing herself up so It's crazy. And he had the clone on Krakoa hidden away just in case he didn't come back. So this is going to be crazy to see this battle going on. Um, I don't know. Do we think Nanny, do we think Nanny is gonna take sides in the Sinister War that's gonna probably come? (laughs) I kind of would like to see her take down just the winner. The winner, like, it's a hard-fought battle. You know, we've got one Sinister barely holding on, and then Nanny comes and does whatever Nanny does. Do we know, like, what are Nanny's mutant powers? Is she, like, a low-level telepath that she's supposed to be, or?
5: I don't even know.
1: I don't know that we've actually seen her use her powers.
5: She's got the two suits. There's the one there's like the nurturing suit and the battle suit right? We saw that a while back.
1: Yes. Yeah she's, she's got the suit she was a scientist before and we know she's a older lady but it, oh it does say that her mutant power is a type of low level telepathy and mind control which she enhances by projecting a chemical pixie dust at her victims So okay so she's kind of like I was going to say she's kind of like a pixie off brand knockoff but nanny came first so I guess that makes pixie and nanny. Any knockoff i'm not sure
5: how i feel about that i i would just like to address the fireworks and how massively disappointed i was so i read hellions first right because i knew we were recording and i wanted to like get that out of the way and then i you know jotted down some notes and then i was like i'll probably read because marauders was the red issue right and so like then i read marauders and and x force and i was like Cause I, I was like, well, surely I guess in I guess in Marauders it's red, so we'll get to see the fireworks there. Then I read Marauders, and I was like, there's no fucking fireworks. Then I read <laughs> and I was like, oh, there's no fucking fireworks. And I was like, what are the fireworks? And the fireworks instill tension, like the mutants really like it but everyone leaving the gala has some really intense opinions of things that that they're like there's that interaction with Steve and Scott and then there's the interaction and these are in the other issues I know but like there's the interaction with the Brazil ambassador and, and Emma and like there's some like big words that are said after people see these fireworks and I really wonder like why they didn't let us see them initially and how and it also makes me wonder about the structuring of the following we've got nine more issues to go in this crossover we see the guests arrive and the guests leave in these three issues so I kind of wonder how like the rest is going to be structured is it going to be aftermath of the gala is it going to be you know side stories of the gala like I'm, I'm real interested in the, in the upcoming weeks of uh, X books to see how this event is structured and how it plays out
4: the way I'm kind of getting it is that every single issue is, is the entirety of the gala so the next book is going to start from the very beginning of the gala and it's going to it's going to fit in those whole that marauders or like hellions missed you know nightcrawler is drunk in this a lot so in way of x we're gonna go deeper into that why he's so drunk and what happened
5: i'm, I'm down with that too I was, I'm also thinking that maybe they're holding the fireworks for uh, world of X or whatever, or whatever the, the new kind of giant size issue is. I am hope I'm thinking that's probably where we're going to get the fireworks or they're going to make us wait till the end. Cause I want it now. So they're going to make me wait a month.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they would Those those to you. Also, we've got, we know there's some big, you know, there's some big events that are going to happen in the gala because we know, we know X-Men are going to totally get revealed. We know that something's going to go on with Magneto that's going to cause the trial. We know all of these crazy things that are going
0: on. Hey everybody, welcome back, Nico here again and in this next segment, Josh, Arturo and Blake talk about the most recent issue of Excalibur, which has been an incredible roller coaster of a series, redefining a number of its characters. While there have been a lot of discussions about forward and backward movement on character progress and narrative, Teeny Howard always makes sure to focus in depth on the characters themselves to generate the most rewarding experience. Now, this continues through the Hellfire Gala and we're still just barely on our way through the changes that are going to rock mutant kind forever. So if you guys like what you hear You'll probably like what you hear and see as we continue to cover this incredible event over on our YouTube at X's for Podcast with our daily X. Don't forget to like and subscribe on Patreon and Twitter at X's for Podcast. And leave a review and let us know. Until next time, guys, enjoy this last segment. Keep those mutant lights lit, those Krakoan gateways open, and we'll see you. Welcome back to X is for Podcast. This week we're talking about Excalibur
3: 21, written by Teeny Howard with art by Marcus Toe, colors by Eric Arseniega, and letters by friend of the show VC's Ariana Mar. It's prom night, and our lighthouse fam have the most fabulous dates, whether they all know it or not. Meanwhile, the Boris Johnsons are Boris Johnsoning and trying to incite a Calibur but a certain emo druid in need of antidepressants has thoughts of his own. And, oh yeah, Rachel is the best. It's chapter four of the Hellfire Gala in Excalibur 21, and with me to discuss are... I'm
5: Blake, you can find me on Twitter at Blake's Buzz, and you can check out my blog at Blake'sBuzz.com.
6: And I'm Arturo, you already know, you can find me at Mister MrToyBox on Twitter and Instagram.
3: And I'm Josh Wheel. As always, you can find me at Asleep at the Wheel, W E I L, and asleepathewheel.com. And for the next two years as the progressive Democrat running for U.S. Senate in the state of Florida, you can find me across social media at Wheel, the number four U.S. Senate, and joshwheel.org. So, Excalibur 21, we are four chapters into the Hellfire Gala, which is starting to really take shape. Um, one of the interesting things, and I think I'd like to start off talking just about the, the gala as a whole. Um, the 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 first chapter was the Marauder's Issue, which did a phenomenal job of setting it up. And through the six chapters that we've gotten to read, I think was definitely the most impactful and serving of the stories. Um, But what we're seeing here now, and we can really tell with, with half of this event released, essentially, six out of 13 chapters, is that this is not, you know, I keep saying chapters, but this is not like Messiah Complex or X of Swords, where... It's sequential chapters, like where we're telling a story and it's act one, act two, act three. I mean, don't forget, we saw the end of this in the first chapter in in Marauders. Like it just left some gaps and we didn't see all the characters. Um, And what we're getting is we're getting little chunks of time filled in with important characters as we go. But really, this is this is more of an event than a crossover. This is an event in the sense that like every character is coming to the gala and they're just carrying on their stories. Hellions continued on their character dynamics and stories. Excalibur here is continuing on what was going on with Lanakaba in the background, what's going on with Richter, Pete Wisdom. You know, we're just seeing these stories continue and they happen to be continuing at a very fancy dance party.
6: It's really cool. It's, it's It's like we're getting little pieces of the puzzle, I I like that they're using timestamps to kind of help you order everything. Shout out to I'm not even sure who it is on X Twitter. Somebody's keeping like an Excel sheet with like the timestamps. Oh, time stamps. I need oh, that. Oh, really? I need yeah. that. Yeah. So you can see like at you know 7 40 p.m. Like Logan did this or Quentin Choir did that or whatever it is, piecing I, I am it all. I'm constantly
3: flipping through the timestamps in the single issues, but I, I have been admittedly lazy to not go back to previous issues. Like I wanted to, like I've been like, oh, I should really go open up Hellions and see what time this was. But that's across the room. That's a lot of work.
6: Somebody's (laughs) doing the work and we got to, we got to find, we got to find that sheet and and retweet it, but it's helpful. And I think it's a really cool way of tackling this event because I think every book is just getting one issue, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah.
3: So it's perfect. 13 books. Well, 12 books getting one issue each and planet size in the middle.
6: It's great. It's like the event is this like nexus point where everybody's passing through it, but you don't have to be, you know, terribly worried about what's going on. In terra verde when you're in the excalibur book like that's just like part of the cocktail party that you're not in during this book so it's i think it's a really neat way to to tackle an event
5: yeah it's you know every every issue is a little bit more of the curtains pulled back and we get like a wider gaze at, at the at the entirety of it which is cool i just want to see these damn fireworks man like <laughs> I keep talking about these fireworks and like I'm we assuming we they're see- waiting for the the planet-sized issue. Is it is, I'm thinking, that's when we'll get to see
3: it, or the finale. I don't or, know. Yeah,
5: maybe they'll make us wait till the end. But yeah, I'm we're gonna see little... I think
3: it might just keep being like a you know, MacGuffin, like something we don't see. But... Oh, I would,
5: I would not. It be happy might be with that. that. Yeah, I've
6: already, I've, people, I've already seen Super people, I've already seen people complaining about it. Like, if I have to hear about the fireworks one more time, it's like, yeah, buddy, you're probably gonna have to hear about them like yeah. five more times. I'm
3: gonna guess, I'm gonna guess seven more times because yeah. we have seven issues. <laughs> last, but.
6: it's cool though it's cool that they have like these little anchor points like the fireworks that you'll see in all of the issues basically
5: well we got a little sneak in x-men and this i think this issue it looked like king jamie was involved in something
6: yes yeah, king I... jamie on another planet which we've yes. all been saying mars but it they may be terraforming a whole new chunk of space who knows it might be planet Krakoa they might be growing Krakoa out in space uh,
3: now that is something I would imagine that we're going to hear in planet-sized x-men yes and I think we're going to find out about the mysterious planet in planet-sized x-men I don't think I'm going too big brain there um putting those pieces together
6: <laughs> Richter can we just like take a beat and talk about Richter guys I love Richter so much as a character but this was this was like painful for me me like seeing him characterized like this and it felt really forced like like richter hasn't been moping since x of swords it's not like he's just been trapped like in this horrible vibe which would have sucked i'm glad he hasn't Um. been like that but the
3: fact do you remember where we first found him in Excalibur one or two?
6: Yes, yes,
3: I do. And he was He was the- hiding in the- a box of dirt. Right. And <laughs> Big A had to come and pull him out and yeah, help him find purpose outside. again. Yeah, I remember that. And now
6: Big A's gone. Right, but I feel like he's I, I feel like Richter has grown through Excalibur. And then I felt like for this issue, for the purpose of this story, and simply because Tinny refused to make this. very simple straightforward happily ever after she wants to like make us work for it and relationships are messy and you know etc but like I feel like he was regressed in this way that he was just super emo, and it just—it really did not. It it just bothered me. It
3: just—I have him written down as emo. I think I introduced him. As, <laughs> you did, uh,
6: you did. I latched onto that. You absolutely did.
3: drew emo druid in need of antidepressants, yeah. I I
5: felt I mean, that his his yeah I, I felt his piss babyness was forced as well. Um, I was just like, I like think everybody's so excited about the gala, and then like. This issue yeah. starts, and he's like, yeah. he's like, but apocalypse is gone, and he was gone like eight issues ago. But not maybe, if, not maybe if you
6: guys gave a shit, but <laughs> eh, eh. so yeah.
3: I'm gonna, okay, so I'm funny. gonna, I know I'm never contrary into anyone on on these episodes, but I'm going to disagree here. And I mean, yes, he was very moody, but as someone, I mean, you know, who is is vocal about you know having struggled with depression and being on antidepressants now, um, like I totally understand 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 the like, if you're in neutral to low space, and then everyone else is like perking up getting higher, that it just makes you kind of float lower, like you just go in the opposite direction. Like, one of the things about depression is, is that you don't kind of rise with everyone else, like you you almost feel more dissociated. You feel further off. Like, why am I, everyone else is happy. And why aren't I like, I'm, this is it. like big, happy events like this almost make it worse. And so, you know, I I feel feel that dealing with some of these things. I, I, I understood like, it's not how I like to see him, but I mean, look, when it happens to me, it's not how I like to see me. So, um, I got it. And I like that, you know, skipping ahead 20 pages, like, I like that he was able to, like, like Arturo said, he has grown and developed so much in this, but that doesn't mean that he gives himself credit for it or necessarily, you know, feels better. It doesn't mean that it's, you know, cured his, his mental or emotional issues. And, you know, the fact that he was able to step up and do that, and that helped him get to a better place at the end
6: this see this is why this is why i love sitting around talking comics with you guys because it always kind of offers a different perspective and and i i hear everything you're saying you know it i didn't like it but like you just said i and i also recognize this aspect in in my own personality and, and character sometimes and you're damn right like when there is a big party or a festivity or whatever and i'm not feeling it like my social anxiety goes like through the roof and i'm You know, so yeah, I get all of that, but it wasn't easy to read and you know, spoiler alert, but a couple pages in, we see my beloved Shatterstar who, you know, I've just been walking on air and also very upset. Obviously we've, we were all on the record talking about the canceling of X Factor. Um,
3: Still not over that.
6: Still not over that. I'll never be over that. You know, hashtag save X Factor. It's uh, (laughs) very homophobic um yeah i i hate that but i've been wanting them to reunite since literally the first issue of of house of x like they're just a ship that I love that means so much to me and I want them to be together. And in the world of like, you know, comic relationships or whatever, I fully acknowledge that sometimes like just marrying off two characters is like the most boring thing you can do, i.e. Northstar and uh, and Kyle, i.e. Gambit and Rogue, which we're about to get into as well. How dare case, like, you?
3: I love them so much. I, I
6: love that they're married. I love that they're happy, But it's it just kind of like changes things. So I don't want like Richter and Shatterstar good, to like He is such get a good married.
3: house husband kept man whip bitch. <laughs> oh my I God. love it we'll so get much. Into
6: it. We'll get into it. We'll get into Gambit. We're not there yet. Hold on.
3: We have to deal with Shatterstar.
6: I want Shatterstar and Richter to be happy. I don't want them to be like a boring married couple. So I appreciate that Tinny's like, listen, relationships are messy. Breakups are messy. You can still love your ex, but there's a lot of feelings there. And, but the way that this was characterized, it feels to me like like Shatterstar is being punished, like he's done something wrong or like he had abandoned Richter and and it just felt so unfair. And it felt so like I got ah, it was such an unsatisfying feeling to finally like when I saw that hand reaching for Richter I was like oh my god
0: here it goes here we go we're gonna see Shatterstar and
6: then you turn the page and like and it's hilarious because in the panel Tinny is talking to Sync and she has this like look at her face she's like looking at Richter and Shatterstar together let's stop
3: for a moment and love all of the cameos in the background of, of real people in the Hellfire Gala I love
6: the cameos and I'm sorry if they're bothering you like, get the stick out of your ass. They're not doing anything. It's a fun little thing. The creatives are <laughs> having fun with it. It's cute. Like, People are, get so bent out of shape about that, or like the the Kevin Faggy, you know, cameo. Like it's fine, guys. They're having fun. It's the weird
3: thing about the Kevin Faggy cameo was that like Cyclops was talking to him for like eight pages. The weird thing about it is <laughs> no, the
6: weird thing about it is it felt like what like they were hitting on each other. That's the weird thing about it. Nobody's talking about. But there was definitely some uh, chemistry between Kevin and, and Scott. But, anyways, you see Tinny on panel, and she's just looking at them, you know, and it just looks like she's thinking, "Oh yes, I'm not going to make this easy for you guys," no, <laughs> and she's not going like to make it happy easy happy for them.
3: that she finally put them together. But motherfucker, listen,
6: Shatterstar shows up covered in blood, like, and that's your response to him. Can I read you my notes? Not like, are you okay? I mean, I get the, <laughs> I get the, I, I what the fuck you you are notes. you thinking? But like. You know, they they were so shitty to him. Yeah, what are your notes?
3: Shatterstar did a stupid, which is really just another way of saying he did a Shatterstar.
6: Yeah, and you know what, one of one of my friends uh on X Twitter, shout out Scott, uh gave me uh, an interpretation of this that Shatterstar as like ne- uh neurodivergent and, you know, being like a little coded as as like on the spectrum mm-hmm. or whatever, and he is absolutely And I love that. Like I love that read. And yeah, I mean Shatterstar not having and any so- social cues and being like very that weird comboed bad with what
3: i said let me let me just say real quick when i said shatterstar doing a stupid and then we start talking about his neurodivergent those those are disconnected like shatterstar is also a himbo shatterstar does these kind of he has these like alex summers moments of like huh which are you know he gets to play off as adorable because he just happens to he um he's like jason momoa where he's allergic to shirts and so he can <laughs> never actually wear shirts um so there's there's that right and yes he has also at times been coded and written as being neurodivergent or or, you know, or just being
6: clueless like, like there's he's yes. just it's almost like a like 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 the concept of like foreign language taken to an extreme like he's like about as foreign as it gets right like so earthways can be a little confusing to him and stuff so yeah
5: my my issue with that interaction is the is the feeling of disconnect between x titles um so like i'm officially caught up now like i was about 15 issues behind with you know the blog and everything going on um and so like i kind of fell behind and, and i would get caught up like weekly depending on where nico put me in the rooms. And so the the, the last weekend and this weekend, I got all caught up with the, you know, ready gala ready. And um, I, and I'm totally you know the x factor so good and and that hurt like i was i read like four issues of that like six through six through nine or ten or whatever it was and and yeah just every issue was like breaking my heart because i was like oh this is so good and it's leaving um but you know like this whole deal of like getting him getting shatterstar out of the mojoverse and bringing him back and like it was this whole ordeal and and then he shows up at the gala and and to this kind of like malcontent you know like he's they're like what are you doing here and i was just like it just sometimes it feels like the the x books don't talk to each other as much as they should not that was my issue with kind of that interaction
6: right it felt like there was uh, it felt like an x factor they had set something up you know the whole thing with like the heartstrings and julio my love and like it was you felt like oh my god we're at the precipice of like they're finally getting back together and it's going to be this beautiful you know star-crossed lovers see what i did there shatter star-crossed lovers um and it just it wasn't and i i get again i get that tinny's going to make us work for it uh i hope and pray that like we get to a place where they're going to just be together and you know fun boyfriends saving the world and all that i, mean, I think but, the,
5: the end of the issue which is was a really high point and for like, sure for yeah, sure i mean like that that, that, that really saved me. it it was yeah. and that was really be- that was actually really yeah. touching and beautiful and very well done
6: and the art really saved it there because like the dialogue yeah. is like pretty chill but just seeing richter like resting his head on Shatterstar, mm-hmm. that to that me was, was so like cute. okay i feel that like i i feel that like that's that's the ex that you still love but like you guys have some shit and you know yeah Yeah,
5: i also i really love the line and he's like let me show you this beach i just made i was like yes that was
6: so good good. okay so so
3: richter richter had amazing moments and 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 we'll get to that a little bit i want to kind of move on from richter and shatterstar the one Uh, last i never will richter (laughs) <laughs> comment is um about his Hellfire Gala. So, um outfit. So,
6: about like Richter's the, outfit?
3: I like the cloak. Like when we see him just like with the cloak and it has that druidness in the earth, it's cool. But whenever he takes the hood down, he looks like the fucking Riddler. Um <laughs> Yeah. I just talk can't. about it. I I can't, like
6: speak on it.
3: Uh, I, I it, it, it took me out, like, it took me out of the comic a couple times because, you know, the to me, my druid scene or, you know, some of these where he's got this, like, mask on and the green suit and he's like, ah, and it's just like, he looks like a cheesy Batman. Look, versus, like, a DC hold on. Like, We're going to, yeah.
6: can we just talk about that? Just like, I know that it's not like the sequential order of things, but now that we've talked about the druidness of it all. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Here's my thing with the whole druid thing. We have a whole other dimension, right? We've got Otherworld, we've got Avalon, we've got a whole other place where you could do a ton of fun shit with the Druids. And I wouldn't even blink. But the fact that Richter calls upon the Druids and they just like show up, like the fact that that only happened in one page and he gets his, you know, king of the Druids shillelagh, and I love the word Uh <laughs> that just felt so corny and forced and and too fast to for me to give a shit. You know what I mean?
3: He's got some too got fast, some big too furious, mole man energy. Too
6: fast, too furious, yes. He's
3: got some big mole man energy, like standing there looking all sh- Big like more man like, energy For me and they come yes. out of the ground
6: right and you know what when the more man shows up with a bunch of monsters i don't think about the monsters personalities and their what's driving their character and, and and their motivations no i just see them as monsters but when you have like a civilization of bearded druids showing up out of the earth it's kind of like well what like i don't I, i'd rather not see a group of those i'd rather like have a character or two from the druid race developed right and i'd write i I'd like to see them maybe like i don't know watching from the shadows or something not just like show up en masse, declare you king and and then just disappear immediately too after like happened what happened outside too of much the happened in one issue. page yeah yeah yes. it,
5: there, the agreed.
3: uh
5: it, even even like so the only other issue i can really compare this one to in regards of like structure uh and and outside influences other than the gala was x-force um but i mean x-force still made sense because the things that happened in x-force happened within the gala in the moment and this um we we spent almost as much time outside of the gala as as within the gala in excalibur and we've got the 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 Lefay stuff and the Richter stuff, and it was just like it. A lot happened in an event comic that did not have anything to do with the event, and didn't get the page time it deserved or the
3: no.
5: the build up or anything. And I was just, yeah. I was like, why are we why are we running and gunning so fast here? Like this is right.
3: very much. This is very much the issue 21 plotting the story we would have gotten if there was no Hellfire Gala. Yeah. Like what would have happened in the next chapter of Excalibur, right? And we would have seen the Britons sacrificing heat Wisdom to open the portal and resuscitate Morgana Le Fay and them trying to strike off and, you know, reclaim the lighthouse. And so Druid King has to step up and make his own island and like, and all the Clan Acaba kind of becoming legitimate powers in britain like this is the next big progression it all just then it felt like this script was written and then it got adjusted into a hellfire gala and most mm. of it seemed seemed in together pretty nice but it did not leave enough pages for uh richter becoming the mole man
6: yeah <laughs> Look, you know what? And I get that we're an Excalibur. I get, you know, I've been, I've been reading it since the first issue. I feel, I get it, that there's magic and, and this is, this is that book, right? But in the Krakowin era, we have this whole other thing called mutant magic and, and, uh, and the circuits, right? Like combining powers. Like, I would have much rather have seen Richter team up with Petra, Magma, Magma, uh, throw Black Tom in there if you want avalanche like get me a couple of like earth benders together and let them do a circuit to create this you know what I mean like that would have felt so much more in universe and and relevant and I would have just enjoyed that so much more than pulling out you know a dozen of these like nameless druids out to name Richter King and then they all just disappear like it just didn't make sense that's a (laughs) word that was the worst part is that from one panel to the next they're gone on. And like Richter right and Shatterstar are going to the beach And it's like I love that for them That's great well, but where the fuck did the druids go Let
3: me show you the beach I made and putting his head on his shoulder Loved it. The last two panels are a beautiful way to end the story Yeah and that Fun. would have
6: made a lot more sense If you're walking away yeah. from Avalanche, Petra and Black Tom Not if you're walking away from your new kingdom of druids <laughs> It's so weird And it's like And again like I said If we were in Otherworld And, and, and Richter became king of the druids Give it to me thousand percent let's do it but here it just felt so dumb
5: also the data page after all that um like this ended on a data page i believe and Mm -hmm. and it talks about the the new lighthouse island and you know we get this really great moment where he's like let me show you this beach i knew made or I knew God, Christ. Uh, let me show you this beach I made, and he uh, the data page comes in, and the last line of the data page is like, "Oh, but on low tides you can still access the island by land." And I was like, "Wow, way to throw like Richter's powers right under the bus." Yeah, like, I
3: didn't like that last. That felt did, kind of like took well, a big wait, old shit on the island like, you made. Oh, I was line, like, "What the fuck? That's not really an island." Yeah, it's I'm like, 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 "How many blocks a of land range are you?" It's, yeah, just a this, peninsula.
6: Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's, it, it down here in Miami, that's called a sandbar. When you could, like, walk <laughs> out to the sandbar. That's exactly what the fuck this is. It just, ugh, yeah.
3: But, so, you made a really good point about mutant magic and the circuits, and, you know, we've seen two now, two major reveals and additions to, kind of, mutant X-Men lore in the Krakoan era. One being the advent of mutant magic and, you know, making these, these advancements and combinations of powers that can do more that are greater than the sum of their parts we've also learned and been revealed about the increase in powers post-resurrection about how the body you know with the powers kicking in with a mind that has already accessed used right. and developed that they come in stronger and are capable of more things it's
6: like you now, it's Richter like in a game been where
3: resurrected at least once right right, right. So, okay, we do have- Wait, was potentially...
6: he? Hold on. Was Richter resurrected at least once?
3: Oh, did he survive and Apocalypse got resurrected? Yeah, he hasn't. Remember when Richter they both got poisoned? Yet. Richter hasn't died yet. Okay. I know him and Apocalypse were like laying on deathbeds near each other, like holding hands and shit uh, while Healer was working on him after they got poisoned. Oh, yeah,
6: yeah, and yeah. yeah. But an Apocalypse was like, no, make him fight. Yeah, yeah, you're right. He didn't die.
3: So he survived and then Apocalypse was the one who had to get resurrected. Yeah, because he yeah, got stabbed. Right he got stabbed at the beginning mm-hmm. of the, and then right? that's when he that's when so he so he didn't have so he doesn't have that new unlock he doesn't have that next. wait level and then even yet.
6: taking it a step further back right richter was one of the mutants that lost his powers on m day correct mm-hmm. and then i believe he got his powers back was it through scarlet witch or was it through Quicksilver shenanigans? Like-
3: Quicksilver shenanigans. He, like every other um, character who had, you know, had more than four lines of dialogue before House of M, right. got his powers back through hand-waving in the first two years uh, post-M Day. Um <laughs> I just so, waved
6: my hands for the listeners yes. at home that couldn't see my my <laughs> yes. mystical maneuvers.
3: It is kind of a letdown to then say Richter just unlocked or did this thing we hadn't seen before, or is now king of the druids. When we also have in place, like we should kind of be using those lores like you're saying, like all the mutants are gathered, Petra and Black Tom and everyone are at the gala. Like Mondo, should be like we literally getting, have seen yes. Mondo
6: there. Like he would have been. He
3: should be going and getting these people, or you know, there should be something involved. Like we should. Be getting one of those
6: And it would just strengthen the whole Concept of Richter As the heir to Apocalypse's you know, Grimoire and his his like esoteric you know knowledge for Richter to like pick that up and be like, yeah, this is my shit now. I'm gonna. And read he this. like designed, He would be he the like one
3: draws he, out a data page and is designing a mutant Exactly,
6: a- exactly. That's what I want to see. I want to see Richter with like post it notes and strings. Like, oh, and what if we tied these six people together? And what the fuck could we do with you know what I mean? Like he's the one that should be, he's one of the ones that should be breaking new ground with mutant magic. If he's going to be, you know, the, the next apocalypse, as far as, as far as like the big bad of magic, like, and we just—I don't know—the i the whole druid thing is—is is really, really, really pushing it for me. I'm not into it. I like the aesthetic. I would 100% be behind it if it was an otherworld thing. Like that would be kind of fun. Like every time Richter goes to otherworld, it's like, oh fuck, and when I come here, I'm the king of the druids. You know, I'm like <laughs> like that would be cute and it would be fun and it would make sense. But this just felt like the most. Um, Ghost in the Machine, Dosex Machina, like just little plot device and stupidity. And I. It really took me out of the story.
5: Yeah, it was just too. It was too much tagged on to another chapter of the Hellfire Gala. It was like Excalibur didn't want Excalibur. This this issue of Excalibur was very much Richter in the beginning. This whole entire issue did not want to be at this fucking party, and it may it reminded us of that like throughout the issue, and then gave us too many plot beats. To, like, so
3: one of the one of the things that I'm kind of remembering back to too, and these are some of the conversations we had when Excalibur first started, was the fact that this team really was like this was uh Teeny's um D D party that she was making up, right? You know, with you know and, and Richter's the Druid yep. and you know um
6: Betsy's the know, Knight
3: Gambit's the Gambit's the Rogue, not Rogue, but um
6: a gambit you know, she has,
3: but she brings a character named Rogue into her party. Like it's you know, there's there was in play on, you know, what she was doing here. And so really embracing that druid aspect is one that kind of worked for me not as much in this like it, it was very rushed and you know the uh the riddler costume has some drawbacks yeah, it's still killing
5: me <laughs> i didn't see it till you mentioned that that's
6: i mean awesome. yeah you said it and it's like yeah it's been staring us in the face the whole time
3: so we do have some other you know other things happen in this as well we do get a a big hellfire gala overall movement um with the clan Acaba. Wait, wait, wait! Before
6: we even get to there, but talking about Clan Akaba, another thing that really high st-
3: priest and priestess really
6: stuck in my craw. <laughs> this issue was when uh, what's this guy's name? Ram- Ambassador Brousseau. Yeah. When he informs, you know, Emma and Charles and and Betsy Mm -hmm. basically. That's the scene
3: that I wanted to go to. Yeah. Yeah,
6: that we're doing the you know Krakoan Brexit.
3: Brexcalibur.
6: Brexcalibur. Thank you, Brexcalibur. Emma Frost. Nowhere on earth in no possible timeline does Emma Frost respond to the ambassador, the way she did, like
3: so, I felt that that had to be like because I felt the same way. Like the fact that Emma was visibly surprised and shook and had an outburst has to mean something, like because that's not Emma. That like either that's a major mischaracterization fuck up or it has to mean something. Or she
5: was like oh like maybe it was Mystique.
6: Uh, I I mean I think Mystique is behind getting the logic crystals here from Shi'ar space potentially, but like no, I
3: well, think Mystique's up to some shenanigans. Oh,
6: shit I think Mystique is 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 going to well we'll get into that I guess at some point but uh this did have a big day one of these issues this felt like just a gross mischaracterization of emma frost like it just felt like you're doing the least you could do with emma if you're gonna have emma at that table if if you're gonna pull her from the festivities to have her be the one next to next to charles for that moment do it with purpose like let her read a bitch let her but
3: now she is in diamond mode she's in diamond mode so she's getting no reads on anyone
0: I don't know. But I think Emma's we're kind got, of... Emma,
3: Emma's, Emma's been a chess player three moves ahead of everyone this entire gala. Exactly. The fact that, the fact that you know, these Brits who are aligned with really, really bad guys that we know are causing trouble and are telegraphing their moves like across the room shouldn't be surprising her like this unless it's like a faux outright. Like, I don't know. Like, that's why I want to believe this means something because my first thing was like like the fuck because that the, if it doesn't yeah then it's a gross mischaracterization
6: gross mischaracterization that's just not emma Frost's tone that's not the way she would respond to these grimy little flat scans coming here and trying to like upend her, her party her she wouldn't be like i beg your pardon and then like when she's clocking them on the drugs he cuts her off to tell him don't worry we're returning your shit we don't give a damn and like she has nothing to say get the fuck out of here yeah like you're not just in her presence You're at her fucking party. Like, she's not going to, you know, it's Emma Frost. Like, I expect a verbal evisceration from her, not her just to sit there and let the humans fucking read her and she just sits there like a dumbass. Like, ugh. Complete, complete malpractice, Tinney Howard. I I give you a demerit on that one.
3: (laughs) Unless unless we get some sort of retro reveal that she's, you know, leading them on to play something, then, yeah, I I have to agree. Now, what I was more a little surprised by was um, Pete Wisdom after this going down.
6: I enjoyed that. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) I am not a Pete Wisdom fan. Seeing Pete Wisdom, like constantly consistently just trashing mutant culture like he has no time for Krakoa he doesn't want to be at their filthy green lagoon like he's just so above it and he's so busy brown nosing to the fucking racist flat scans like I'm not a fan of Pete Wisdom never have been and watching him like Tap dance and follow these guys and like okay, by actual mutants, I'm gonna go with well, with the racist guys in the cloaks. What could now, possibly I feel go like wrong? He's
3: double agenting, like like I feel like he's knowingly like he's going along because he's the only mutant who has an in. I do feel like his allegiance is to Betsy and the mutants. I was more intrigued by him going down so quickly because I feel like a mutant with powers like Pete's and a bunch of humans on him should be able to fight his way out. So right, or at, either- or at least or at least
6: least make a few you know take a take a few chunks out of them for sure
3: is this a like these are all humans and now we're seeing the way mutants kind of have to take the l like is this pete restricted by kill no humans and so when he's swarmed by a bunch of humans who are going to kill him he's got to take the l because he can't. No, you're, why does you're, he call out? He calls out the Am I overthinking? Am I overanalyzing? I don't you're, know. That's, you're
6: you're you're giving a pass by
3: this scene. I did not let, like this scene. Felt awkwardly constructed in that sense. No, like, but we've already I seen. It.
6: We've already seen. Kill no human, but maim who you got to. <laughs> like.
3: So, so we have more more mischaracterization. Badly. Yeah. 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 It was bad. I, it was.
6: It's it's I, I I appreciate that it was a sacrifice i appreciate that he went down with the ship like i appreciate that his uh his bullshit of like kissing clan akaba's ass basically blew up in his face i'm into all of that but i totally agree with you it was like in three panels he got stabbed and you're like really
3: (sighs) yeah he was the most powerful person in the room and um it, it was just surprising to see him go down so quickly like that
5: this is what aggravated me like, I've had issues with Excalibur from the beginning. It's been harder for me to connect with, which is aggravating, because Gambit and Rogue are two of my favorite people. Um, And it's just been... I'm only recently getting more into fantasy stuff in in, in regards to like the genre. And it's it's just been harder to connect. And as I mentioned earlier, I'm all caught up in X-Men now and I had like four or five issues of Excalibur to read and they were really good. The last several issues of Excalibur have been really, really on it. And then this one, and I'm, I've been so excited for this gala and the other issues of the gala, the other gala event issues I've been, I've been impressed with with and this just was like this just didn't do it for me and it was kind of a bummer and and it's it's the mid like josh said earlier it's the midpoint of the event like it's it's not it's not a red issue but we're at an important point structurally where like moves need to start being made and the only moves that were made were made in regards to the series outside of the event and so i just don't get it
6: I, i completely agree with you and i i think the way i look at it is excalibur is the box of chocolates of of the X line you literally never know what you're going to get like and sometimes it sucks sometimes you're just like chewing on it like oh okay i guess i won't spit <laughs> it out and other times you're like fuck this is so good like that yeah. malice oh. issue was so now and that malice good. issue was
3: two months ago but that was the last issue we had of this and that is one of my favorite issues that's of my all favorite all excalibur, Hox, Hox yeah. favorite um,
6: excalibur so for sure
3: yes there there there's definitely i mean it, it's not going to be as good as that um there, there are some problems with this and look we see that a lot of times when things have to when stories have to tie into crossovers or events that they're not necessarily ready or want to. Mm -hmm. Um, Could Teenie have done better? Yeah, you know. um, But we do have three other little things to talk about. So let's start with Blake's favorite people here, Gambit and Rogue, because we're going to get a big change to this book coming up as we see in X-Men 21 that came out this same week. Rogue is one of the new members of the X-Men and so she will be leaving Excalibur. Although Gambit's going to stay around with his cats because cats are magic um and while we're on this just to say real quick i love gambit's uh hellfire gala uh he reminds me very much of the guy at pride who wears belly shirts because he knows he's shredded and loves everyone seeing it um (laughs) and and that's gambit here and i and i love it he is such a himbo kept house husband man and he loves it and he's happy with it and i'm happy for him
5: yeah i I love the (laughs) they're, they're like what are you gonna do he's like i'm gonna hang out with the cats
6: That that at least was (laughs) funny. I I I appreciate that she at least like is calling it out. Like, yeah, guys, I know that's all I've done with him. But did
5: say he's got plans. I was very intrigued by that. Mentions like. He's not gonna go back to Krakoa. he's gonna stay in the in the lighthouse. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, what's that mean? So that means something.
3: And so let's who knows? So let's better. see, so like have-
6: let's see what that means. Like, remember when Gambit stole a magical deck of cards from Otherworld and that never turned into anything? Mm-hmm, maybe well, those are like the plans. Maybe he's like maybe. something's gonna happen with that. Who knows? All
3: right. So we have Gambit has something Gambit will be on the team, Rogue is not, and Gambit has plans. We also learn in another uh little side detour that felt way too short we learned that uh megan braddock is pregnant yeah
6: yeah so shout out to everyone who got excited seeing megan on the cover of an upcoming issue and thought oh we're gonna get some megan she's gonna join the team that's gonna be awesome nope sorry guys (laughs) she's gonna get pregnant and have another baby which yes, I know that doesn't take her out of the story. Maybe there will be something interesting. and Blah blah blah. But I don't think it bodes too well for the character.
5: No. Well, I, I mean, it not not that it I wouldn't say doesn't bode well, but I mean, she's not gonna she's not gonna be in any fight scenes. I
3: don't think anytime soon. Like probably not. And then thirdly. My favorite page of this issue, Betsy and Rachel. Rachel. Betsy and Rachel. That's good. And I, so I'll be honest, right? I cannot like tell you like I can't look at girls and tell you like someone's a top the same way I can with guys. But um Rachel is very clearly a top. I think. Oh, I think a that
6: hundred percent.
3: Is, uh, yeah. Right. And I love, I love her asking Betsy to dance and and leading and dragging her out so much. And then we get the final line of this page where betsy invites her to come around the lighthouse more rachel it misses you i won't go on the record now as saying that as this team reforms in the next range here with rogue leaving i think that rachel with x factor being canceled polaris moving to the new main team rogue moving to the new main team i'm gonna say rachel comes back to excalibur and is in this book now
6: i hope so i mean i think that's you know that that, that would be a better solution than rachel just being in limbo I kind of, I haven't given up the ghost that X-Factor is not gone either. I pray that another title is is announced, like they're going to do an X-Factor part two and I would love to see the same creative team. But failing that, um, I think X-Factor could continue existing kind of like the five where they're like, they pop up in different books. I think they still serve a purpose, but I think they could also continue on as a team, maybe without Rachel and Rachel joins Excalibur. I, I, w- I would love to see that. I think one thing I want to talk about about this page, and this was, you know, quite a bit of discourse on on X Twitter, um, is the whole idea of this being queer baiting, right? Like that these characters are not canonically, they're not kissing on panel and... You know so this just feels queer baiting and you know i i 100 appreciate that your mileage may vary and everybody's you know read on something is is just as valid as anyone else's and like whatever you bring to it you know like that's that's totally fine okay. but i would also like to say sometimes i think that we could all benefit from being a little more patient with with some of the writers and like I realize the ridiculousness of talking about let's be patient with making Rachel bi or gay because she's been around for, you know, 40 years or whatever. Uh, But if Betsy and Rachel had just like kissed on panel in this page, it would have felt so abrupt and so forced. And that to me would have felt a little more like. Where, do, you that that do you guys feel that
3: they're? You guys feel that Teeny is seeding a Betsy Rachel romance? Because I didn't feel that at all. No, I, I, I just felt I, that I, they're I, both by yeah. and they're really old friends. And right,
6: yeah. I mean, there was like a and, there was a flirtiness, but yeah, I I agree that it is more friends. And I also agree, like, and this is something that you know, just part of like the queer community. Like, you can be friends, and also there can be like a different level of affection that you're able to express without it being weird. Yeah. I mean um,
3: just because there's two bi characters near each other or dancing doesn't necessarily mean that like it's queer baiting or romance like yeah. no, no, I felt no, that I this agree. was platonic uh,
6: I, I agree I agree that that was the vibe I got off it then I entered the discourse and saw all these people and, and you know like at first I was like come on you guys like that's such a reach but like it's good I think sometimes to like sit with some other opinions in your head and, and just let it marinate and <laughs> you know I came out the other end and I'm like you yeah, know that's that I get it if that's your read on it, if you're if you're frustrated because Kate you know kissed a girl and we haven't even revisited that since, and like it, you know there's all these things don't exist in a vacuum, it's kind of like a cumulative thing, you know, I think there's some validity to that, but again, just like I really like this notion, so like
5: listeners who may not know like i'm I'm a boring straight white vanilla male, okay. And these moments don't bother me at all. Like I didn't even, I didn't even feel like, and not once in any of these X-Men issues have I felt that like forced ideologies and, and stuff has been, and politics has been pressed on me. Like I've seen mentioned on Twitter, like these people have sticks up their asses and I just think these are good stories and I think that this new age of X-Men, I really enjoy this notion of like more openness, um, yeah. open, open love, open relationships. Yeah. Like, it, it's but, like but the hippie free love movement, man. But like but Let's be yeah. fair.
3: Danny and Shan are fucking in new music. hundred <laughs> percent. Right? And I don't okay. think that would <laughs> be it. I don't
5: think are fucking on the moon and I'm here for it, man. Like, But, I,
3: I, like, but that one feels like, why aren't they kissing? Like, <laughs> like that one feels like queer baiting, even if. Vita is a member of the queer community, but um, I don't like. For me, Danny, wait, me, wait. For
6: me, Danny and Chen, I don't think could be any clearer that they're together right now. Like that, it, I don't know. And again, like yes, if they're that together, then why isn't it just like on the panel? Yes, they're together. So again, your mileage may vary. I think it is super explicit that Danny and Sean are together, but, yeah, you know, I, I, vibe. but I appreciate that for some people, it's not explicit enough. And like, you know, I just urge everybody take a step back. There's so much good shit happening. It's such a there good is. fertile environment for storytelling and just, you know, hang in there, like have faith, these writers, you know, heads and hearts, I think are in the right place uh, I think they're, they're fairly keyed into, to the fan base and, and, you know, they're giving us some service. So just hang in yeah. there. I think, I think something will come of this. I don't know if it, if it'll be romantic s- or not, but like
3: seven lesbian
6: parts. Rachel is inevitable because she's yes. already on the page. Like yes. it's just hang in there. It's coming.
3: Yes i agree um and we have seven chapters left in the hellfire gala that are going to throw some you know turmoil and changes into our world we're having a new x-men team we're gonna have some some book shuffling right we're gonna see the uh, i still do not understand like i if they have me sold and happy that like okay x-factor needs to end because it doesn't have a place in the story after the end of hellfire gala and clearly we need to be telling some other story I'm I will be fucking shocked because yeah. X Factor felt like one of the most important lore books. That whole first issue had the promise of so many redacted laws that were going to be slowly revealed over years of stories clarifying and, and streamlining the resurrection protocols. We were going to get all of those protocols redacted and revealed, and we haven't had one, not one since the first issue, have we seen a uh, gone back to that redacted list. And yeah, that like that is such an important part it was also giving us the five we were getting so many big major parts of this new world i'm not over that being done no yeah the um,
6: cancellation of x factor has radicalized me like i i don't (laughs) fucking get it like we showed up we bought the issues like number one you know on comiXology the week six would come out like what the fuck i need an answer from marvel of like why it happened and i need them to stop being coy about what's coming next i get that they're going to be a big part of the trial of magneto i get that you know maybe logistically like it for the flow of the story it made more sense to like not have x factor issues coming out during the trial of magneto but goddamn, yeah
3: is that it is x factor going to restart <sighs> after the trial of magneto because I i'm that. okay with that I but then don't fucking God. act like it's canceling because
5: she's writing it right she's leah's writing yeah. the trial right
6: leah's writing the trial but like even if it if it is coming back like that's the other thing and i don't want to sound like a spoiled brat but like I want very specifically for Leah to be writing it and David to be drawing it. Period. They're such a great team. Period. Yeah. They're good. They're, They're very good. Such They're a, such a good team. Stuff. And they have so much love for these characters. And they were obviously doing so much. Hell, we we didn't even get our first uh, first harvest of the body farm or whatever that prodigy was growing in the boneyard. Like they were doing stuff that was going to pay off in the long term. And to have them just, you know, stop that 10 issues is an absolute crime.
5: Agreed. Hashtag Factor.